I'm sure you've noticed that when you love someone, that name takes on special meaning to you. You love saying it, you love hearing it, you love speaking to that person. And when you love Jesus, you love his name. And you love saying his name. You're not ashamed of his name. And he loves you so much that he knows your name. He knows everything about you. And uh, his love for you is so real and so, so intimate and calls for us to love him with, with everything we are and with everything we have. A young lady named uh, Josephine lives in Pakistan. Today she's in her uh, mid-20s. About four years ago, she was working in a, a beauty parlor. She's a believer, a follower of Jesus Christ. And the owner, her boss, the, the, the co-workers were all intensely pressuring her to convert to Islam. And uh, they told her she couldn't pray to Jesus or in his name anymore. And one day when the owner was really threatening her, she said, I told you that I will not accept Islam. I'm happy with my life. Don't force me. I can leave the job, but I cannot leave Christ. Now, I love that, that line. Listen to what she said. I can leave the job, but I cannot leave Christ. I think a lot of times we leave Jesus so we can have other stuff. We leave Jesus. We walk away from Jesus. We back up from Jesus so we can be in relationships we don't need to be in. We, we backslide on Jesus so we can do things we don't need to do. But she said, I can leave this job. The one thing I cannot leave is Jesus Christ. Her boss, the owner, started beating her, kicked her, slapped her. And as she fell to the floor, a broom handle pierced her eye. How would you describe her love for Jesus? How would you describe your love for Jesus. In Mark chapter 12, we started looking at this passage last week, and we'll look at it again today. Jesus is asked about all the teachings of the Old Testament, the commandments, which is the most important because there was a big debate within Judaism 2,000 years ago. They had developed over 600 rules, 600 commandments, 600 do's and don'ts as a a way of making sure you obeyed the the Old Testament teaching. And so there was this big debate, and Jesus was asked this question on multiple occasions. Which one's the most important? And Jesus took them back to the Old Testament. He said, here's the answer. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. He's one Lord. He's one God. And you shall love the Lord your God how? With all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength. Say that out loud with me. Read read verse 30 only, verse 30 in unison with me. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength. How close are you to loving Jesus that way? Now, I would say in that moment, That young woman, Josephine, in Pakistan showed tremendous love for Jesus. And there are going to be moments in our lives when we're called to love him. And it's going to not always be easy. It's going to cost us. How well do you love him? How much do you love him in those moments? 
What he's really saying in that verse is that we're to love God with our total being. When he talks about mind, soul, strength, energy, it's it's everything that's a part of who we are that we don't hold anything back. Love God with the totality of who we are. That's the main point of that verse. And when you love God that way, it shapes you. It motivates you. It controls you. It influences you. When you love God that way, it keeps you going when life is hard. Because life's not always easy. And I, I, I like this verse from James chapter 1, verse 12. Blessed is the man who perseveres under trial. That was Josephine. Who perseveres under trial. For once he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to whom? To those who what? See, love keeps you going when others don't want you to keep going. Love keeps you going when life is hard and there's pressure to to be ashamed. There's pressure to deny. But when you love Jesus, guess what? You you keep going. It's just like when you you love the people in your life. You keep going. You You don't back away from them. And when you love Jesus with your total being, you keep going no matter what happens in life. You see... That's what Josephine did. And today, do you know what she's doing today? She's still being a witness for Jesus in Pakistan. She's experienced persecution since then. But she's still living for Jesus and she's still witnessing for Jesus because loving him keeps you going even under persecution. This kind of love for Jesus causes us to to be holy. It keeps us holy. We we love him and therefore we, we live in a way to honor him and please him. 1 John chapter 2, verse 15, do not love the world, nor the things in the world. Because if anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is what? See, loving Jesus and loving this sinful culture are exclusive. They don't go together. And when you love Jesus, you don't love sin. When you, when you love Jesus, you, you don't love what Satan's trying to do in the world. You have a different perspective. You have, you have a different understanding, a different, a different view of life and values and priorities. So Jesus, quoting that Old Testament passage, said, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. Your total person. And that's going to shape everything about you. But when I love him with everything in me, it also means I am loving him with my heart, with my mind, with my soul, and with my strength, or some Bibles will translate with my might, my capacities, my energy. And I want us to spend a few moments looking at those four areas. Now, here's the thing you need to understand. Some people go too far in trying to break those four categories down, mind, soul, strength, etc. They go too far. Because the main point of the verse is, is it's just this beautiful picturesque way of saying love god with everything that's a part of you okay that, that's what it's that's the essence when you when you push it too far you you miss that, that that's the point love god with everything not just something but with everything but there is some insight to be gained by looking at what does it mean to love god with your mind love god with your heart love god with your strength love god with your soul and the truth is 
these all overlap. So look at the, the next uh, slide here a little bit because that will give you a, a sense. Just think of those four circles, each one being mind, heart, soul, strength, but they overlap, okay? They overlap. The mind in Scripture is not totally distinct from the heart. They overlap. They're, uh, they, they, they have some commonalities. So they're, they're, they're used separately at times, but they're, but they're almost used synonymously at times. So with, with you understanding that, I want to help you understand what, what Jesus is meaning a little bit more concretely about loving God this way. As we saw last week, Jesus is quoting from Deuteronomy, the, the Shema, the, which is the Hebrew word for that first word in Deuteronomy 6, 4, to hear. And we said last Sunday that a devout Jew, even today, will every morning and every evening say these verses as a prayer to God. It's how he begins his day and finishes his day. And God is saying here, O Israel, the Lord our God, he's, he's one. And love the Lord. And then notice in the Hebrew in chapter 6 of Deuteronomy in the Old Testament, love the Lord your God with your heart, soul, and might. Or in the New Testament, strength. Heart, soul, strength. Now there's three, right? And some of the Gospels only include three, but Mark includes the fourth. Not just heart, soul, and might, but heart, soul, mind, and might. Your mind and your strength. And uh, the reason for that is Jesus is going into more detail about what is meant in the Old Testament in the Hebrew with your heart. Because you have to understand language is a cultural thing, right? I mean, what a word, word means in one culture, it won't mean in another culture. So when we talk about, I love you with all my heart, what are we saying? I just feel it. We, we, the connotation in English today is primarily emotional, right? When we talk about the heart. Well, in the Old Testament Hebrew, the primary connotation for heart was non-emotion. It was what we today would use for mind. It was your intellect. It was your will. It was the place of making decisions and reasoning and thinking and understanding. So that's why you, you can't always literally translate from one language to another language and get the, the accurate meaning. So when people say, I want an exact translation, that's a misnomer. Because culture doesn't always allow for that if you want to understand what the text is saying. But the Hebrew for your Heart also included the idea of emotion and love. It was both. Primarily mind and intellect, but it had the other. So what Jesus does to help us, his audience, his audience in the first century and us today understand what is meant by that. Shema, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your energy. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and your mind. Because for us, they're different, right? Your heart and your mind as well as your soul and your strength. So because sometimes people read these things in Scripture and say, hey, the Bible, there's errors, it's, there's discrepancy, and they just don't understand. There's not discrepancies. They just, they just don't know enough to understand it. So what does it mean to love the God, Lord your God with all your heart and with all your mind, with all your soul and strength? The essence is love God with everything. I mean your total person, your total being. But let's see if we can break those down just a little bit and talk about what it means to love God with all your heart. It's this, in, in, in the Greek and in the New Testament for us, it's this idea of your devotion, your affection, your feelings, your emotions, your desires, your passions, the things that you 
care about. Now, how, how does that work? How, how, how does my heart, how, how do my emotions, how does all that work when it comes to love? Well, think about your earthly relationships, your human relationships, okay? We tend to become attached to what we hang around, right? I mean, you see a young lady. Guys, think back to when, those of you who are older, think back to when you were young, okay? Just think back. Go on that journey. And you saw that beautiful young woman, and you kept looking, and the more you thought, you just kept thinking about her. You couldn't get her out of your mind, and you were thinking about how can I meet her again? How can I strike up a conversation with her? You created ways to be around her. You conversations, and and couples date, and they begin falling in love, we call it, as they hang out together and get to know each other better. Because there's something about proximity and emotions. We talk about how the you know absence makes the heart grow fonder for a little while. I mean, when you really love somebody and you're apart, you miss them. But I'll tell you what, if you stay apart, too much separation, what does that do to the emotions? Weakens them. One of the reasons some people have affairs is that they, they begin spending more time with and having more conversations with someone of the opposite sex at work than they spend time with and have conversations with their spouse. Because proximity has an impact on affection, on the heart. It's true in the human relationships, and, and it's true in our relationship with, with uh, Jesus Christ. It's, now think about this. When Jesus in Matthew 5 uh, talked about adultery, he said, I said to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lust for her has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Jesus is talking about the way human emotions work. You look at her, and then you start thinking, and then you start longing, you start desiring. Jesus understood how human humans work, how we function. And so the heart is going to be affected by what we, we attach ourselves to. Jesus said, where your treasure is, there your heart will be what? Also. See, it's, it's, what is it that you value? What, what is it that you hold up in your eyes, in your life as a treasure, as of great worth, of great value? Jesus is saying, your heart's going to follow that because of attachment. How valuable do you consider Jesus Christ to be in your life? Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23, watch, stand guard, pay attention over your heart with all diligence. Why? Because it's from the heart that the issues of life flow. Everything flows from in here. And so the decisions we make. I mean, let's, let's be honest. Our culture today is driven by emotion more than any other part of, of the human anatomy. Right? I mean, if, if our secular culture wants to change our thinking about some issue... They approach it from an emotional basis. They tell stories. They show images. They show all these beautiful images on you know, television commercials of these beautiful puppies and stuff with amazing grace being sung and more empathy for, for, for animals that are abused than for unborn children that are murdered in the womb. But we use emotion, Right? That's how our culture works. Satan gets it. 
Jesus understood it. Do you? Do you understand it? That what you attach yourself to, your heart's going to follow. And and if you invest your life attaching yourself to, to everything but Christ, your heart's going to go those directions. And so... I want to say to you that loving God with all your heart means in part that you attach yourself to Jesus. You've got to hang out with Jesus. You've got to be with Jesus. You've got to hold him up as a treasure in your life, as a great value in your life. Not just Christianity, not just First Baptist Church, not just religion, not just ritual, but Jesus. Can you even say his name out loud? How much do we treasure him when we never speak his name? I learned a long time ago when there's a funeral, the family, you know one of the things, one of the things the family wants to hear? They want to hear their loved one's name spoken. They're not afraid of the name. They want, they want to hear the name because there's love attached to that name. Can you, can you say the name Jesus? Can you say the name Jesus at church? Can you say the name Jesus in Sunday school? Can you say the name Jesus in public? Can you say the name Jesus in your house? Are you attaching yourself to him so that your heart can follow? See, we think the heart comes first. No, my brothers and sisters. I started looking at Monisa and hanging out with Monisa and getting to know Monisa before I ever grew to love Monisa. Isn't that how it works? And love the Lord your God not only with all your heart, but with all your, all your mind. I want to jump ahead because in, in the New Testament, Jesus said heart, soul, mind, strength. But I'm going to go to mind next because it's an expansion of that Hebrew understanding of heart. All your mind. For us, that's, that's our intellect. It's our brain. It's where we think. It's where we reason, where we make decisions. And the truth is what you and I do in our mind affects all of our life. Romans 8, 6, the Bible says, For the mind set on the flesh is death, but the mind set on the spirit, on the spiritual things, the things of God, is life and peace. You see, what I, what I fill my mind with, what, what I put in here, shapes me, motivates me, controls me. Just like what I attach myself to. So I attach myself to things, it influences me. What I choose to put in my head, in my mind, also shapes and influences me. And, and according to that passage, impacts the quality of my life. So what you read and what you watch and what you listen to matters. It's going to influence you. Listen to what Scripture says in the book of Philippians chapter 4 verse verse 8. Finally, brethren, whatever, notice this, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good repute, if 
there is any excellence, if anything worthy of praise, dwell on these things. And the King James and New, and New International Version translates uh, dwell on as think on or think about these things because that's, what, what, that's the idea. You're going, you're going to become what you spend all your time focused on. I've said this so many times from this pulpit, but it's, I remember when I was a sophomore in high school taking driver's ed. I still remember one of the things that instructor said was when you're driving, especially at night, you, you don't look at the headlights of the oncoming car because whatever you stare at, you will drift in that direction gradually. I remember that. That principle is true not just in driving a car, but in living life. I mean, how, how, much, how, how much of God's Word do you put in your mind? Do you, do you think listening to me preach for 35, 40 minutes on Sunday is going to put enough in your mind to keep you godly? To keep you close to Jesus Christ when you listen to everything else and watch everything else and read everything else during the week? How much of God's Word are you putting in your mind? How much of praise and lovely are you putting in your mind and in your heart and in your soul because you're worshiping jesus during the week you're listening to worship music you're listening to christian music some during the week now i like music i, I get my personality is i get bored easily with the same thing all the time that's just the way i you know god made me i like variety okay i like variety when it comes to music so i have sirius xm in my car because i just can't stand to listen to one format all the time it drives me bonkers that's just i'm just i'm just weird that way okay so i'll go from bluegrass to country to love songs to easy listening to christian i don't just listen to only christian music but I do listen to a lot of it because I need to be feeding my mind and my soul on Monday just like I do on Sunday. And particularly if I go to, you know, Willie's Roadhouse on Sirius and listen to an old Hank Williams song about somebody got drunk, I need to whip it over real quick and listen to something about Jesus and get myself right. <laughs> right? Now, don't, don't tell me you don't listen to other stuff. There will be a few of you who don't listen to anything else but Christian music, but most of us know, uh, you, you know, you turn on the television. You can't even watch the news without getting messed up. You know, I've, I've said before sometimes, just you know, back before the election, stop watching nonstop politics on TV. It makes you angry, and when you're angry, you're not a happy Christian or a winsome Christian. Now, I believe in being informed. I'm informed. But I'm not going to spend my life just sitting there watching that junk. There's, there's more important stuff in life, and it's Jesus. What, what are you putting in your mind? It impacts you. Think about him. Get into the, the scripture. Pray. Pray without ceasing. That's the, that consciousness of Jesus throughout the day. And, and you whisper prayers to him throughout the day about stuff. Meditation, praying over the scripture, heart and mind. See, see, the heart and mind go together. 
Can I give you a little, I know some of you hated school, but can I give you a little history lesson? Will that be okay? Can I? Just a, a quick one. In Baptist life, historically, there have been two, two major schools, two major influences. In Baptist history, we call one of them the Charleston tradition, the other one the Sandy Creek tradition. First Baptist Charleston, the very first Baptist church in the South, very back in, in the day, very formal, big on education. Sandy Creek, Mountain Church up in North Carolina, very revivalistic, not much on education, all emotional. Wow. You want to know why you've got all kinds of Baptist churches when it comes to worship style and those that are, you know, more like Presbyterian, those that are more like Pentecostal? It's because of those two traditions that have always been a part of Baptist life. But you see, biblical Christianity, you put them together. And that's one of the reasons Baptists exploded in the 1800s in the South. We learned how to put them together. Not afraid to use the mind and not afraid to have some heart. Too many denominations and churches, it's all heart and emotion and others, it's all intellect. And Jesus said, if you're going to love me, love me with both your heart and your mind. Well, I need to go on before I get in trouble. One, one of mine and Monisa's worst fights several years ago when we were younger. Y'all ever have fights? One of our worst ones. Um, was over her birthday gift. See, gifts is her love, one of her love languages. It's not mine. I don't care if I get a gift on my birthday or not. I just want chocolate cake and fried pork chops. <laughs> you know, do something nice for me, but I don't want a gift. That's just not my love. But that's her love language. And it took me years to understand that. And so sometimes I did good. Sometimes I did not do good. Any of you guys know what I'm talking about? So it was her birthday. Coming up to her birthday, a couple of days before her birthday, she keeps asking me because she doesn't have confidence. She doesn't have confidence that I, I, I've got her a gift. And I, she... she well, and she had reason not to have confidence. I hadn't always done it right. But that year, I had her gift, the very thing I knew she wanted. And she just, she wouldn't let it go. She just kept asking. You know, and I get that. You know, we were learning each other. And I got, well, I'll tell you the truth. I got mad, and uh, I got the gift, and I just tossed it on the bed. Now, ladies, how do you think she reacted? Hurt her feelings. All right? May as well not even bought her a gift <laughs> after that. What, what am I saying? Love in your human relationships involves understanding the emotional side of things, but it also involves using your brain to learn and grow and understand things as well. And if you're going to have mature love, you better put those two together. Now, by the way, I bought my wife a gift yesterday. 
Not because it's her birthday. She's been in Kentucky since Thursday checking on her parents in the nursing home and taking care of some matters she had to deal with. And she's just right now, right about now, crossing of a passing Statesville on her way back. She left Kentucky at 530 this morning. So appreciate your prayers. But I bought her a gift. So when my baby gets home, there's a gift. So I learned. And that's helping the emotions too. Yeah. Now, what about you and God, you and Jesus? If your love for Jesus is just intellectual, eventually you're going to get bored. You become hard. You tend toward the Pharisee side of things. If your love is just heart and emotions, you become a roller coaster like a yo-yo, up and down, up and down, not dependable. Loving Jesus means you put them together because you love them with all your heart and with all your mind. Well, i got to run on. Love them with all your soul. What is your soul? It's, it's the real you. In Genesis, God took dirt, shaped it into a figurine he called Adam, breathed into its nostrils the breath of life, and that man became a living soul, living being, the past, living soul, living being. Love God with all your soul. The real you, the essence of you, the inner you, the invisible you, the consciousness, the, the you that exists after death of the body. That means loving God with your very life. And, and, and if it means you have to give your life for him, okay. Because you love him even with your life. And then love Jesus with all your strength, your body, your energy, your physical abilities. And that means a whole lot more than just being in great physical shape and exercising all the time. It means using your body. To serve Jesus. Using your body in a way that is holy and honors Jesus. Using the energy in your body to do his work. Using your abilities, your capabilities, your skills to accomplish his purposes. It's serving Jesus. And and, and when you use your energy, sometimes you you get fatigued. Right? We've got, we, we have adults using their energy, their strength, their, their might, their bodies, right now serving Jesus by loving on our kids and our children's ministries. We, we, we have adults this morning who spent their energy this week and today preparing Sunday school lessons to teach us. We have people who use their energy and their strength this week practicing and learning music to help us sing and worship. Can, 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 you, can you exert enough energy to get to church on time next Sunday? Can, can you exert enough energy to make it to Sunday school? Can you exert enough energy to invite someone to church, to pray for someone who's lost, to talk to somebody about Jesus whom we love with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and because we love him, we love talking about his name? I mean, we love our grandkids and we talk about them. We use our energy to whip out pictures and show people. 
You love Jesus. Do you use your energy to talk about him and show him to those who need him? During the invitation, I'm, I'm asking you to come up to the altar. We've got these uh, witness cards, have, have Bible verses that explain the plan of salvation. Get you a pile of them. Keep them in your pocket, your purse, and use them to witness people. Give to people who are lost, and, and uh, they're here. Come and get them, and use your energy to come and get these. Use your energy to, to hand them to somebody. To Hey, let me walk you through these verses from the book of Romans that explain how you can have a relationship with Jesus Christ. They're so small, they, so I, I just keep them in my pocket all the time. You just whip it right out. Anybody can do that. So, as you think about loving Jesus with all your whole, with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength, it means loving with your total being. But let me ask you, is there one of those categories, one of those areas in particular where you've been holding back? One of those categories in particular where you've been a little bit negligent. One, one of those categories where you need to you need to just put forward more effort and, and love Jesus in that area. Let's stand and the musicians are going to come and lead us as we sing together. And I'm inviting you to come to this altar and, and pray. Pray here, sit at these chairs, kneel around the altar, and uh, just pray to Jesus about your love for Him. And 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 just as last Sunday, if if you are uncomfortable, even in prayer, saying to Jesus, I love you. Pray and just say it over and over till it becomes very natural for you to say it. Because here's the thing. If you can't speak Jesus' name when you're praying to him and you can't speak Jesus' name in church, what makes you think you're going to be able to speak Jesus' name out here in this community where we're supposed to be a witness? This is the safest place you'll ever have to speak the name Jesus. So grow. Make, make the effort to grow. Do, do you think you, you grow and change just because, hey, I hope so, and osmosis happens or something? No, you've got to put forward some effort. That's the reason we love him with all of our strength, with all of our energy. We've, we've got to put forward some effort. You, you have to work at growing in your love for the people in your life. You have to do stuff or love withers. And you've got to use your energy to love Jesus if you don't want it to wither on the vine. So pastors are here, counselors will be here. We invite you to come and pray, come and make decisions. If you want to join First Baptist, we invite you to come right now. If you need to give your life to Jesus and be saved, be forgiven, come and tell either Jamie or Steve uh, that you want to become a Christian and they'll lead you in prayer as you commit your life to Jesus. Let's sing together and you come right now. Come quickly. <laughs>